Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. to you. Do you know there is nothing more, like I thought there was nothing more scary than coming up here and preaching in front of you. And then Jacob gave me this today and he has uh, covered over the mute button. So he could turn me on while I'm singing. And while I was singing just then, I was petrified. But that's all right. I was trying to worship without thinking that he might accidentally turn it on and he'd hear me sing. Hey, um, it is my privilege to bring the word today. Can you just pray with me uh, before we get into it? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you speak to us. I thank you that you're not a distant God. And I pray as we come into your word, will you grow us and will you teach us? Will my words be your words, Lord Jesus, and let everything else fall away? We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, we're in the second week of a new series called Multipliers at the moment. And uh, Mike preached a couple of weeks back on uh, taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I have the job of preaching on follow. Follow, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, I'm not particularly good at following, not great at instructions, love to give instructions, but uh, not great at following. So thanks, Mike, for that one. I reckon it started when I was about four years old and I went to the cinema with my parents or to a theatre or something. I just remember it being a big theatre. And um, we got up at the end and they... um, turned around and said, let's go. And they walked out this way and I turned around and went that way. Like, I was just like, yeah, sure. You say go that way, I will go that way. Which seemed great because I was like away from my parents, right? Until I walked out the door and realized I couldn't see them anywhere. They were gone and I was four years old and I was sitting there like, "Ah." and all of a sudden I saw them and I was like, okay. And I ran up the stairs and I grabbed them and I was like so excited. And then I looked up and I was like, you are not my mom, you are not my mom. Anyway, really scary. You would think that I would learn to follow after that, but I didn't, I'm still learning. Don't ask me to do one of those Ikea things. I will just drill holes where you're not meant to drill holes and use screws that you're not meant to use screws in. It's fine. If you put enough pressure on something, it stays together. Um, So, what did you say? Like your marriage? <laughs> yes, like our marriage. We're not preaching on, on uh, marriage today, but we will. Michael said that, everybody, not me. Michael said it, not me. All right, let's get back to the Scriptures. Let me tell you, Jason Bradley says, discipleship is a journey of intentional decisions, a bit like marriage, leading to maturity in your relationship with Jesus so that you become more like Him in your attitudes, focus, and ultimately, behaviour. It's a lifelong commitment to follow God with your whole self and to both learn from and teach each other about how to follow Him. So today, I'm gonna talk about discipleship. What does it mean to follow the Lord? Well, that's called discipleship. And a disciple is a kind of student. It's someone who follows the teaching of and learns from and models their life after someone else. And in this case, Jesus Christ. 
So we're going to jump straight into the scriptures today. Today is going to be a little bit practical. We're going to have a bit of fun today, but I want to just jump straight into the scriptures. Uh, So we were reading from Matthew 28 before. Thank you um, for reading that for me, Ash. It starts and it says, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, I find this really interesting. They, Jesus took them up to a mountaintop. That's um, relatively small. Sorry about that, everyone. But hopefully you can remember what was said. Um, they went up to a mountaintop. It's really interesting. Throughout this book of Matthew, they actually spend a, Jesus spends a lot of time on the mountaintop with his disciples. So I, I feel like we get a bit of an understanding that actually when God takes you up to a mountaintop, when Jesus gets you up onto the mountain, that he actually has something pretty important he wants to share. And in this moment, Jesus has died and he's rose again and he's up there with his disciples. And he's sharing something with them that's really important. So I want to catch, let you know that this commandment that we read about um, the Great Commission, it was actually such an important moment for these disciples. It was actually a really pivotal moment that started their ministry into the whole world. And I think sometimes um, God simply wants to take us to a quiet place to get us to listen. And so um, I want to say to you today to just quieten all the things that you've got to do after tonight. I know we've got busy lives and things to do, but I think God wants to speak to us and He wants to take us into that place where we're actually listening to Him because what He had to say next was super important. He said, then Jesus came, Jesus came and said to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's pretty powerful right there. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's essentially saying, hey guys, listen up. This is important. And then He says, Therefore, go. Therefore, go. Now that word go was not some like, oh, maybe you should do this or maybe it might be good if you didn't. No, it was go. Disciples, it is time to go. It was not, and sometimes it's been interpreted to mean uh, as you go along. So something happens as you go. But that's not what I think Jesus was actually meaning right here. He was saying go. As my disciple, I am sending you and I actually need you to go from the place that you are right now into a new place. And he goes on later on to talk about the Holy Spirit and when that comes and it does and then they, these disciples go. Now, um, one thing it is not in this, when he says go, is passive. In many ways, it's kind of a command that we're commanded to go. And sometimes, I think this, um, this, it's easy on a, sun t- on a Sunday to come into this building and to go, yep, this is awesome. I'm going to gather everything I can and be filled. And we want that. And then we step out on a Monday and we go, no, that's a totally different life. But we have a saying here at this church that I'm pretty sure that I came up with that says, let your Sundays invade your Mondays. <laughs> I quoted you once. I heard from some good preacher. You don't have to quote you again. But we say that... We say that because, church, when Jesus was saying go, he was saying leave where you are and go and do what I have commanded you to do, which we'll get to in just a moment. And part of what God wants to say to us today is that we're actually called to go from this place out on mission. That while these four walls are really important and we desperately need this time of encouragement and being filled, the actual next step that he goes on to say is vitally important that we understand. 
A few weeks ago, um, and I'll get to that in a second, but a few weeks ago, Tim P.S. preached and he talked about discipleship. So I was like, great, I've got to keep going on from that. But what he talked about was he spent a few moments talking about a person of peace. And a person of peace, if you've never heard of that before, we're going to call it a pop because that pops. Um, I just made that up. You're welcome. This is people who like you, people who listen to you and people who serve you. So in your life, somebody who might be close to uh, wanting to know about Jesus, they might be your person of peace. So if you can think in your mind, who is someone that likes me, serves me, and listens to me? If they do all those, they can't do two, they go do three. If they do all of those three things, the likelihood of them being a person of peace, of somebody that you can reach outside of these four walls is extremely high. And so Tim talked about a person of peace and how we need them and why we need them. And you can listen to that sermon if you want to. But I think one of the things that we are called to do is go out. And as it says in the next line, go out and make disciples of all nations. Now, for the disciples, that literally meant go into all of the world and make disciples. For many of you, some of you are actually called to that by the way. Some of you are actually called to overseas mission. I don't know who you are in this room, but I felt like there is somebody in this room who's actually called to overseas mission and you need to to step into that. But most of you here are not called to overseas mission. Um, Most of you are called to do mission in your local environment, but you've still got to go. You've still got to go out of here and you've got to still have the courage to find your person of peace and to simply ask them the question, would you like to read the Bible with me? So that is something that we are starting to do here at Encounter. But when we think of discipleship, many of us think that we bring our friends to church and they will get discipled by Mike or I or one of the other elders here and that we will preach to them and it'll be amazing and they'll be discipled and they'll all just get it all in one hit like that. It's not how it works. And I actually think the church has got to get much, much better understanding that does not how it works. We actually need to change our mindset. We have always gone, bring them to church, they'll get saved and then we'll disciple them. What if we were to change our mindset and actually say that discipleship to conversion, not just from conversion, matters just as much. If we as a church can start to understand that, that discipleship towards conversion actually is the key. If we can totally understand that, then we will get what it means to live a life where we are discipling others. That's why go comes first. It says we must go out, first find our persons of peace and then learn to disciple them. And once we've found our person of peace, remember people who like us, people who listen to us and people who serve us, then we can go out and make disciples. Now, I don't know about you, um, but when I hear you can go out and make disciples, I freak out and be like, mm, nah, that's for the evangelists, that's for the extroverts, that's for the people that know their scriptures. Uh, that is just way too hard. Well, there are actually some really simple ways that you can actually go out and make disciples of all nations, of your friends, of those around you. Uh, we as a church have been doing building a discipleship culture for the last two years. So Taylor and Taryn and Mike and Tom and Jacob and I um, have been have been going through this course for the last two years and trying to work out what does it actually look like to disciple someone? Because I think actually as a church, we've actually been pretty bad with it over the last 20 years. Um, I think we have 
we decided that attractional church was the way to go. And, and that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Lots of people came into the buildings and that was awesome. But we didn't know how to disciple people. And so people would come and they'd hear some great worship and hopefully they'd encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit, but they weren't discipled. And so over the last couple of years, we've been learning some ways to do that. And what I want to do today is I want to get really practical. So if you think, do you know what, I can't do that. I know that I'm called to do it, but I can't do it. I want to get really practical with you today. So I'm going to ask the hospitality team to just come on up. And um, I'm going to step off, sorry, um, digital team. I'm going to step down here for just a moment and let them kind of set up for a few seconds. So I've actually asked Taryn to come up and we're going to um, just take a moment uh, to do something a little bit fun. Thank you. Awesome. So good. Taz, do you want to come on up? Thank you. I don't want to fall off. Yay. Darren. So there's a thing called uh, DBM, Discovery Bible Method. And Discovery Bible Method is just a really easy way for you to sit down with someone, your person of peace, and start to disciple them. It's easy. How cool is a hospital team, by the way? This looks super cute. Thanks, guys. Um, I was like, can I have some couches? Oh, can we talk about these couches for a second? So I was so proud of these couches. I bought these couches on Gumtree for 90 bucks, and I was like, two couches, they were for the office. And I was like, they're so good. And we got them home, and Mike sat on them, and he's like, what are these? And we got them here, and I was like, they're couches. And he's like, these are not full-size couches, Jen. And I was like, they are. They are absolutely full-size couches. And then two adults sat on them, and I was like, yeah, we can't really, we can barely fit on here. These are children's couches. <laughs> but they're great for this analogy, so that's a lot of fun. So Taryn and I are going to do um, DBM. So I'm going to go through and just do a DBM session with you guys so you guys can see how practical it is. It's great for short people, though, because we have our legs firm on the ground. Thanks, Mike. So, so how are you, Taryn? Again, tell the team what number it is. What number it is for John? Number one, text team. Got it? Give it a go. No? Do you need it? Yeah. Oh, it sounds like you're on. Or is it just me making noise? That one's on? Thanks, Ash. All right, we'll get there. MC? Oh, yeah, that one. Yay! Yay. Fun. Amazing. Right. So good. So, how are you, Taryn? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. How's um, your week been? It's been very busy, but good. Yeah, yeah. anything interesting? No, um, I mean, I've been looking after some mice at work, which is pretty cool. Oh, that, that's kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, you're a scientist, so that sounds scary, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else good happened? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I got engaged. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's really exciting. <laughs> we are so excited. Thank hey, you. one of the things about um, Discovery Bible Method and doing this with your person of peace, is you need to have a relationship with the person that you're going to be doing your DBM with. If you don't care about someone, please don't try and disciple them. <laughs> I know that sounds awful, and we laugh, but like we actually care about people. When, you know who Jesus walked with? He walked with sinners and tax collectors, and do you know what? He absolutely cared about them. He loved them. So I just want to encourage you that if, if you're sitting down with someone and hopefully your person of peace is someone that you actually like, that you actually want to get to know, take a moment, don't skip this step. So I'm actually going through the steps of DBM today. Don't skip the steps of getting to know someone and asking them how their week is. Um, and you know, I'm sure Taryn, if we had more time, would ask me how mine was, but I'm just, we're going to do a real fast DBM, otherwise we'd be here for a while. Um, now, um, Taryn, we're going to read some scripture. Have you got your Bible? 
Yeah, awesome. Um, if you open up to Mark, we're going to jump into chapter one. So Mark is in the, um, so there's a New Testament and it's in the second, oh, a bit further than the second half. So if you go through, yep, you find James, let's go back this way a bit. Romans, Matthew, oh, so go one, oh, there we go, Mark one. Awesome. Um, can I encourage you, when you're meeting with someone, your person of peace, the likelihood of them not knowing the scriptures is very high. So don't make them feel like an idiot for not knowing where Mark is, and Taryn knows where Mark is, obviously. But <laughs> people that we do this with don't know. That's right. They don't know it. And that's actually okay. It's absolutely fine. So please make them feel comfortable in not knowing where something is, um, because I'm sure I have been in the same position at one point. So we're going to read Mark uh, 1, 16 to 20. So quite a short one. Um, I would encourage you to pick something that... Um, you find easy to relate to. Stories are great. So there's some um, online, I can give you some stuff, but there is, um, just pick something that's easy to, like a story that's easy to repeat. So I'm going to read it first, Taryn, and then you read it out. And um, our versions might be slightly different, um, but don't stress, because hopefully when you read it out, you'll be able to understand it. All right. As he passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Andrew, Simon's brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen, Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fishers for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, pulling their nets in order. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired men and followed him. Now, do you want to read it yourself? Cool. As he passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat putting their nets in order. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Awesome. And then what we're going to do is we're going to close it and try and tell it in our own words, like try and remember what kind of happened. Is that all right? Okay. Cool. So you grab your mic because you need to, yep. Um, you go first. No, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they were on, they were walking along the Sea of Galilee. Is that all right? So we start? I think so. Yeah, okay. And then what happened? Um, Jesus was walking along the sea and uh, he saw... Some people. Yeah, who did you say? John and... Was it John? Is that the first one? No. No? Oh, sorry. It was, it was <laughs> Simon Peter. Simon Peter? Yeah. And... And, and Andrew. Andrew. You've got a heaps better memory. That's great. Yeah. Right. And then Jesus said, come and follow me. Yeah. And I'll make you fishers of men. Is yeah. that right? Okay, great. And then what happens? Uh, I think they cast out their nets... I think. Okay. Yes. Well, then, Wait, what do they, they go with Jesus, I reckon. Yeah, oh, that's probably yeah. true. Yeah, they probably go And then they Jesus. go further along in the Sea of Galilee. They go walking further along, I'm guessing up the beach or swimming, one of them. And then they find two other people. Mm. Are we at John now? Yeah. Great. <laughs> John and another person. Yeah, they're sons of Zebedee, that's all. Good memory. Yeah. Um, and... He, Jesus says, come and follow me. Yeah, he asked them to. And they leave their nets straight away and leave their dad, like mm -hmm. you said. And what else? And, and then they follow him. 
to follow Jesus. Yeah. All right, should we see how he went? Sure. All right. Oh, yeah. Not terrible. Simon and Andrew. Don't know how you knew it was Peter Simon, but anyway, that's all right. Um, <laughs> that's just a tease for you. Um, all right, so we've done, we've kind of gone through that. That's awesome. So that's kind of the first step. So you each read the scripture to yourself and then you um, read it, you try and tell it. That helps you just the person remember it, right? Um, and then what we do is we usually take a couple of minutes to just sit here. So I'll say, hey, Tara, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes just to read it and see if anything stands out to you. If you like, if God might be saying something to you or just you might think something um, and then we can just talk about it. So I'd leave that a couple of minutes there. I'm not going to do that today because we need to hurry along. Um, and so I would say, hey, Taz, what, what stood out to you? Was there anything that stood out to you when you read it? I think the idea of fishing for people is a strange thing to me. Mm. Yeah, that is a bit weird. What do you reckon he meant? I don't know, like you like you catch fish, so like, are you catching people? <laughs> Kinda, I guess so, in some ways. Like Jesus is like, because he is calling them, right? Like we see here that he's like saying, hey, come and follow me. So in some ways he's kind of catching them, isn't he? And saying, come into my yeah. family. So, I guess maybe yeah. it's like a metaphor. Yeah. Maybe he's not actually catching people, but... Yeah, he might not be chasing them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he does, he does kind of catch them, so I don't think that's wrong. I think that's great. And then I, what set out to me um, was immediately they called him and they left his father's Zebedee. And so it's like that, that immediate that when God calls us to do something that we need to go and do it. And I don't know, but for me personally, I'm not always great at obeying straight away. Okay. And so that's something that I probably want to just kind of work on a little bit. That's what stood out to me. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, there you go. And so we would um, we'd do that. We'd probably talk back a bit. Obviously, this is going to go for probably 20 minutes or so, not five um, or more. So, uh, and then we're going to ask, like, what are you going to do about it? Okay. So we'd, I'd ask, so I'd say, sorry, Taryn. Um, so who we, what are we going to do or who are we going to tell? So if we, over the next, like, f can we catch up in a fortnight and redo this again? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so in that time, who are we going to tell or what are we going to do? What would you do? I don't know. I guess I just have, like, a question first. Um, yeah. I just find it really interesting that they, as soon as Jesus calls them, they leave. Why, why would they leave and follow somebody that they don't know, like a stranger? I find that really interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. Hey, um, on that question, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure of the answer to that one. Is it okay with you if I go away and do the research over the next couple of weeks and when we catch up again, I can tell you? Because I don't know yeah. and I don't want to like make something up. Yeah. To just, yeah. Guys, you don't have to know everything. The great thing about doing DBM is actually the scriptures speak to people and the scriptures will speak through you. So if you don't know something, it's actually okay to say, hey, actually, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you right now. Can I go away and do some research? You know, hopefully some of you will know the answer and that's great, but you might not. That's actually okay. You are a disciple as well as discipling someone else, okay? So be okay with not knowing. And then Taryn and I would go and say what we want to do about it. I'm going to obey God. Um, over the next fortnight, which is a really very scary thing to say, whatever he says anything and just see what happens. And then we can come back and next fortnight when we catch up, I'm going to ask Taryn, did you do what you said you would do? Did I do what I would say, which makes me think I have to do what I would said I would do. That's it. And then I might, if I feel really comfortable, pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you right now, but I probably would. Um, and that's it, guys. That is DBM. It is so easy and it is so simple, but it is actually so powerful because you're not 
making up your own stuff. You're not having to preach to anyone. You're letting the scriptures speak to you, speak to the other person, all right? And so I think one of the things we do as when we're talking about making disciples is we go, that's too hard. I don't, I'm not able to do that. Well, I have just shown you here how easy it is. And there are, if you Google Discovery Bible Method, you will find how to do it online. I'm sure we can post it on our socials sometime this week as well. Um, but I wanna encourage you, the, actually the hardest thing is not doing DBM. The hardest thing is actually going up and saying, hey, Taryn, would you like to read the Bible with me? You've done that, right? And it wasn't easy, was it? It was really hard the first time, but yeah. then once I had done it, I was kicking myself that I didn't do it sooner. Like, it's so easy once you do it the first time. So good. That's exactly right. And once you've done it, once you ask somebody to read the Bible with you, you know, it's, it's called crossing the chicken line for a reason, um, because it's kind of scary the first time you ask someone to read the Bible with you. But then once you've started reading the Bible with someone, you see actually how great it is and how much the Bible uh, speaks to people and you're willing to do it again. Can we thank Taryn for coming up? Can I grab that back, please, Mike? Or that, that more than anything? No, not the mic, sorry, the stand. That would be awesome. Thank you. The great thing about buying kids' couches is one person can move them. So that's awesome. So why did I take 10 minutes out of my precious sermon preaching time to share this with you, to show you how to do it? Because if I'm honest, I have so many people say, I can't do this. I can't go out and make disciples. And let me tell you, you can go out and make disciples. When we look at Jesus's life, do you know what he did? He walked with people. He walked alongside with them. He shared meals with them. He talked with them. He enjoyed being with them. That's how Jesus did discipleship, walking alongside someone. That's how we're called to do discipleship. He goes on in verse 19 to say, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I can't go into baptism today. I just simply do not have time. Um, I would love to. But I will say that we are actually called to do life together. And baptism means you are baptized into the body of Christ. You're baptized into the family. Which, And when we're gonna call ourselves family, we've gotta act like family. We've gotta walk with people through their highs and lows and all of that. And I'd love to talk about baptism another day because I preached about it a few weeks ago and it's just the bomb. Anyway, and he goes on to say, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is where discipleship goes beyond evangelism. The discipleship process is more than just teaching people the right knowledge about God. A discipleship model, it actually shows him or her that we're actually gonna follow someone. Making disciples of Jesus goes beyond teaching the facts about Jesus. It means teaching people how to know and to be like Jesus. It's teaching people how to follow, how to follow. We, are, um, we have a couple of things that we do here at Encounter and different ways to disciple you. One of them is Resilient Disciples, which we just started. It's um, second weeks in, on Wednesday, and I'm really, I really, I loved the first one. And one of the things that Resilient Disciples does is it teaches you, it grows you, and it helps you learn to disciple others while you're being discipled. We join in little small groups, and we talk about what we're learning and we're growing. We do life together. Resilient Disciples is just one of the ways that we help you be discipled. So you need to be discipled, absolutely, you do. But you can actually, while you're being discipled, disciple others, and that is key. 
In verse 19, it, remember it says, go and make disciples. So we're actually, while we're going, we are actually making disciples. But that doesn't, go does not mean that you're not being made a disciple as well. well I feel, all I feel like I hear is like, I need to be more disciple before I can go and disciple others. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can be discipled as you disciple others. The amazing amount of things that I have learnt while doing DBM with uh, my person of peace is phenomenal. I grow every single time. I am discipled as I disciple others. Every time I'm in a, in a group like Resilient Disciples, every time I'm in a place like a cord. If you, if you have never heard of a cord before, a cord is essentially three people that get, get together to read the Bible together um, and to go deeper. It's another way we do discipleship here at Encounter. And I think it's important. So I want to say, if you're not in accord and you want to be in accord, come and see us. Actually, do you know what? Even better yet, go and find someone in the room and say, I'd like to do accord. Will you do accord with me? And if they're not in one, I hopefully they say, yes, I'd love to. Um, because there is so much fulfillment in doing things alongside other people. I don't want to do this life alone. And I don't think you do either. And I don't think the disciples did either. Actually, I know they didn't. Because what did Jesus do? He sent them out two by two. He sent them out two by two. He didn't say, hey, you go over there by yourself. You know, some of them might have had to go off and do other things, but they did it. They did ministry in teams. So I've taken this time in my sermon to kind of hopefully explain how you can disciple and how you can disciple others. Why? Because friends, it matters. It matters that we disciple others and it matters that we are disciples. People need to know that Jesus really knows us. Jesus knows you. Do you know that? He knows you. He knows your intimate being and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Okay, and so I don't know who needs to hear that, but maybe someone does. You know, when um, we were in youth ministry, Mike was leading the youth ministry at The Journey, which was Padera at the time, um, and, and I was youth leading alongside him. We had 10 kids, 10 beautiful church family kids, um, and we grew that youth group to about 70 kids. On Capture the Flag nights, we had like over 100 kids in the building. Came, it was so dangerous, actually, but... <laughs> 10 years ago, Jenny did, Jenny did not care. Also, like our camp. Anyway, another story. Um, yeah, that's why Pieta's 10 years younger than me. So, hey, um, and you know what? It was really, really fun. I loved it. It was really great. But you know what? Most of those kids aren't actually in the faith anymore. Most of them aren't in church. It's actually probably Mike and my biggest regret in ministry is that we knew how to make youth group really fun, but we didn't know how to disciple them. We had no idea how to disciple young men and women, not really. Some of them we got around and we did relationship with them, but it's honestly, Mike would say the same thing, it's our biggest regret. We don't wanna be known for a church of a thousand people. We wanna be known as a church of a thousand disciples. That's what we wanna be known as. When Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, they would not have seen this as a casual assignment to squeeze in between all their other things that they had to do and all their other interests. This would have had to be their primary focus. But what if this was, imagine if this was Encounter's primary focus. What if I told you this is 
our primary focus going forward as a church. Everything we do here at Encounter, we wanna come out of discipleship. We wanna look at everything through a lens of discipleship. When we ask the question, does this disciple you? If the answer is no, then we'll have to look at it and go, do we actually need to do this as a church? This is something that the leadership and the eldership are constantly looking at. Are we creating a culture of discipleship? Because discipleship matters, friends. Your friends who need to know Jesus, they need to be discipled. Stop waiting to bring them to church. Go and make disciples of all nations as we're commanded to do in the Scriptures. And as you disciple others, understand that you too will be discipled. It's a blessing in the same. And if it's not you who disciples your friend, then who is it? Who is it? If it's not you, then who is it? So pray for the strength to listen to the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You. The Lord that You walk with us, that Jesus, You didn't come down and say, go and make disciples without the presence of the Holy Spirit. No, You said, wait and ask the Holy Spirit to come and the Holy Spirit will come and then we are to go. And so in this moment, we say, Holy Spirit, come. Empower us to go out and to do the work that You have done. Today is simply one day of our week, Lord Jesus. And we wanna disciple people seven days a week. And so Lord, will You give us courage to see the people that You have placed in our lives who we are called to disciple. And Lord, will You give us the courage to simply ask the question, will You read the Bible with me? Give us that courage. And as we read the Bible with our friends, as we disciple those around us, those that don't know You, Lord, will You speak to them and will You transform their lives? Will we see more people come to know You as their Lord and Saviour and be discipled towards You, Lord Jesus? So Heavenly Father, will You give us what we need do what you have called us to do. Thank you for your presence of your Holy Spirit. And as we worship you now, may we just lay all our fears at the foot of the cross and choose to pick up, choose to pick up you and what you've got for us. In Jesus' name, Amen.